You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. I'm sitting here broadcasting from the Vivid Seats studios. Make sure if you're planning on going to a game, you use promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases. First time customers only. So uh, let me just address one thing because everybody seems to be up in arms about this Billy Turner thing. And obviously most Packer fans want to believe that their guys are really, really awesome. So when ESPN came out and said Billy Turner is some elite player, that's cool. And it does depend how you want to look at things. But just to be clear, what ESPN is saying, their metric is to grade people based on a win rate, which is to say how... how, uh, how often can you sustain your block for 2.5 seconds or longer? If you can hold a block for 2.5 seconds, you win. And apparently Billy Turner is really, really good at holding his block for 2.5 seconds. The problem is he's really, really bad at holding it for any longer than 2.5 seconds. That's the disconnect. Now, if, if you're fine with that metric, then fine. Billy Turner apparently is really good at it because ESPN is tracking that, and they're showing that Billy Turner is one of the best in the NFL at holding for 2.5 seconds. The problem is... Aaron Rodgers throws the ball in 3.06 seconds, tied for the worst in the NFL. So, I mean, look, if you want to say that all these sacks are Aaron Rodgers' fault, the problem is PFF tracks kind of the same thing. I'm thinking they just use a different um, metric for time because I think 2.5 is a little bit unrealistic. Nobody gets the ball out in 2.5 seconds. There are four quarterbacks, Joe Flacco, Sam Darnold, Tom Brady, and Cam Newton that are getting the ball out in less than 2.5 seconds. Derek Carr, Andy Dalton, Jimmy Garoppolo, Pat Mahomes, Ben Roethlisberger, Kyler Murray, Mitch Trubisky, Russell Wilson, Carson Wentz, Jacoby Brissett, Eli Manning, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, Case Keenum, Gardner Minshew, Jameis Winston, Matt Ryan, Mason Rudolph, Daniel Jones, Matt Stafford, Josh Rosen, Philip Rivers, Lamar Jackson, Luke Falk, Drew Brees, Jared Goff, Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, Marcus Mariota, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Baker Mayfield, Kirk Cousins, and Aaron Rodgers all get the ball out in more than 2.5 seconds. So I, I, if I'm a coach, let's just say, I'm going to tell my offensive lineman, you're going to have to hold your block a little bit longer than two and a half seconds because the ball's not coming out in two and a half seconds. If I had to guess somewhere around the median or the average, it's probably 2.7, which I know that fraction of a second doesn't seem like much, but it kind of makes a big difference. And I think it's really is making the big difference between PFF and ESPN. If you look at, I mean, and these are so that these, these are two metrics. If, again, if you're good with that, if you only want Billy Turner to hold his block for 2.5 seconds, apparently he is phenomenal at that. However, if you look at pressures that have been given up, Brian Balaga, who has gone up against the best pass rushers in the NFL all season long, has given up six pressures. David Bakhtiari, who is also going up against elite pass rushers, but is also seemingly kind of struggling this year, nine pressures. Billy Turner's given up 10. He's a guard. He hasn't gone up against Von Miller and Khalil Mack. I mean, occasionally there's a stunt or something, which, by the way, Khalil Mack absolutely dominated Billy Turner. But he has not gone up anywhere near the quality of, of opponents that Bakhtiari and Balaga have, and they've given up. he's given up more pressures. The only player that is credited with giving up two sacks is Billy Turner. He's given up eight pressures. The next highest is Brian Balaga. Now, again, PFF does track it because they've given Aaron Rodgers credit for some of these issues as well. 
They've blamed Aaron Rodgers for six of his own pressures, one of his own sacks, two of his own hits, and three of his own hurries. So they do acknowledge the quarterback, but not nearly as much as, as Billy Turner. And so you, you get a massive discrepancy simply for the reason that, again, as best as I can tell, Billy Turner holds a block like nobody else for two and a half seconds. After that, though, he's just done. So if that ball's not coming out, whoever Billy Turner's blocking is just carving him up. I don't know if he's just maybe not very strong, and guys are just eventually pushing him out of the way. If, he, if it's a lack of athleticism, which supposedly he's supposed to be really athletic, but maybe guys are just getting around him. I don't know what it is, but that is, and, and again, it's up. I don't care what you want to think. If you want to say all I want is 2.5 seconds, then guess what? Billy Turner's your guy. He's a great pickup. He's an elite player. If you want him to hold his block a little longer than that, he's doing terrible. Draw your own conclusions. Forget the grades. Those are the stats. 2.5 seconds. On the other hand, 10 pressures. I, you know, again, say whatever you want. I'm, I'm going to say he's doing a really bad job. I'm going to say two and a half seconds isn't quite enough. Now, I am going to be interested to go back and watch, and I'll add that to my list, but I I just, I don't expect to be super impressed by him. I know a lot of people were excited because some guy got a bunch of money to come over and play guard, and the the coaches really liked him, and Aaron Rodgers really liked him, and so when one out of 70,000 people says, hey, this guy's really good, Packer fans want to jump up and say, yeah, he's really good, us against the world, man, because that's what fans do. But again, we, we were laughed at by Dolphins fans and Broncos fans when we paid him that much money because they did not like him. PFF did not grade him very well, kind of ever. Now, this is significantly worse than he was with Denver, so hopefully he gets a little bit better, although I don't necessarily expect that this week because he's got a really tough challenge. But, you know, what, again, whatever. Draw your own conclusions. I couldn't care less. Just telling you where I fall on this. You got the guys that are actually watching him play, and then you got the guys with a stopwatch saying, oh, there's 2.5 winner who in 2.6 seconds just gave up a sack. You know, make your own conclusions. I don't care. Anyways, today is the day in which we look at the Packers versus the Eagles, kind of give overall thoughts on how this thing is going to happen. I am a little bit short on time because, as I said, I'm trying to get the NFL Draft podcast done before this one. It was a mock draft that took almost an hour. If I've got a little bit of a short fuse, I ex- you know, you're going to have to excuse me. This is like day four of getting up at two in the morning, and it's starting to get to me a little bit. So just just don't talk to me today, and we'll be fine. Let's take a break, and we'll get right into it. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. 
Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So first of all, um, just looking at what Vegas has to say, uh, Vegas currently has the Green Bay Packers at minus four against the spread. PFF has their own metric and has them at minus four and a half, so they're even more optimistic about the Packers. Looking at the injury situations, Adarius is questionable. That is a really, really, really big thing. I know um, everybody's kind of saying, you know, Rashawn's going to come in. He's going to tear it up. This is going to be his day. We need Zadarius to play this game. I love Rashawn. I'm excited about Rashawn. He looks really raw. He's he's extremely athletic, and he'll probably be able to beat a tackle, maybe, hopefully, kind of, uh, some of the time with just speed and, and all kinds of stuff and just pursuit and all that. You know, if the guy holds the ball for three and a half seconds, Rashawn will eventually get there. That's how he got his one sack. But this is not Zadarius Smith. This is not Preston Smith. This is not even Kyler Fackrell, in my opinion. Much more athletic, much more upside, super excited about what he can become. I do not have very much optimism if Sidarius is not on the field. Not necessarily that we're going to lose the game, but it's going to be a huge blow. And again, I, I, I'm, I'm on the Rashawn team. I just want him to slowly get worked in like they've been slowly working him in. And the other thing is it's not even going to be Rashawn that much anyways. It's going to be Kyler Fackrell that gets those snaps, and Rashawn is just going to get significantly more, but he's still going to be number three. Either way, I, this shouldn't even be an argument. I mean, we all should want Zadarius on the field really, really, really badly. But he's got a knee injury. He's questionable. Hopefully he's all right. Um, to make matters worse, Kyler Fackrell is also questionable, as is Jay Kumaro. Uh, Fackrell with a shoulder. Kumaro with a shoulder. Montrevious, once again, is out with a shoulder. Speaking of out, in the um, Packernet stock market, stock exchange for the Packers.com, what I'm going to do going forward is if you put money down on a player that doesn't play, even if they break their leg walking onto the field and don't actually play, I'm not going to drop it to zero, but I'm not going to give you even money. What it's going to be is a penalty. And what I think I'm going to settle on is um, 50 bucks per share. So you put four shares on a guy, you're you're going to lose $200. So make sure you're looking into this. Do not tell me to put money down on Montrevious, because I will, and I'll deduct your money, and just that'll be that. But I think there should be some kind of a penalty. I, I just didn't want to drop it to zero because that just seems way too harsh. So that will be the plan moving forward. Uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles, Deshaun Jackson is officially out. Tim Jernigan is officially out. Ronald Darby is officially out. And Corey Clement with a shoulder injury is questionable. Usually questionables end up playing. Just from my experience, very rarely do questionables end up going out. The ones that go out are the ones that are doubtful. It's kind of like if you check the weather and they say 30% chance of rain, it's not going to rain. I know because when I did landscaping and I really wanted the day to be canceled and it would be like 40-50%, it never rained. It's like they're just overly cautious. Like, I, we got to let you know that it might rain, although it's not going to rain. Um, some other interesting information that I got on the page that I happen to be on right now. The Philadelphia Eagles, which maybe isn't super surprising, but it is good for us, not big on running the ball. They run the ball 37% of the time, which is an area in which the Packers have been struggling. Hopefully they're going to get better at that. As Mike Pettin said yesterday, um, they're they're far from being where they need to be, which is a good mentality to have because they're, they're pretty good. But uh, the big plays, and particularly their inability to stop the run, more specifically their inability to, t- to tackle the guy that's right in front of them. But uh, the Packers have been great against the pass as far as their, their pass rush and the corner play, assuming Kevin King can step up this week play like he did in week two, Eagles don't stand a chance. As weird as it sounds, I'm looking forward to teams that struggle running the ball and like to throw the ball because that's playing right into what we want. 
But let's look at it specifically. I want to look at side by side and kind of kind of take a look at this. So with the Eagles on offense, right now their their running situation is is actually kind of similar to ours, where they have three guys that well we have two, but three guys that just aren't doing anything. Jordan Howard is their best back, but he's kind of mediocre. Uh, Darren Sproles, same situation as as with Miles Sanders, who basically is going to be your receiving back, and he's a pretty good receiving back, but he's not going to do anything between the tackles. So what you've got as a strength for the Philadelphia Eagles is a very talented offensive line, a capable wide receiver in Alshon Jeffrey, and I believe, debatable, but I believe a very good quarterback in Carson Wentz. Uh, we haven't heard his name as much with uh, the the new young studs coming on with the Eagles not quite being as good of a team. You just don't hear Wentz's name very much, but as best as I can tell, and yes, according to PFF, he is a very good quarterback right now. So in a way, in my opinion... <sighs> If I were to compare them to a team we've already gone up against, it's it's probably fairly similar to the Bears. I think this is a better offensive line, but I do think the Bears have a pretty talented offensive line. And also the, the tackles right now, as well as Jason Kelsey, have not been playing up to the same standard as you would expect. Maybe it's just the competition they've gone up against. I don't know. But it, it does at this particular time look a lot more like the Bears offensive line than the 2018 uh, Eagles offensive line. Um, on top of that, Alshon Jeffrey is, is kind of good, not great. I'd put him in the Allen Robinson category. I know people probably would disagree, think Jeffrey's not as good, but eh. The biggest difference here, obviously, is Wentz over Trubisky, but I'm, I'm just trying to give some kind of comparison. The other real benefit, as I said, without Deshaun Jackson, and that makes a massive difference, again, not just because Deshaun Jackson is a good wide receiver and so far has been graded as their number one wide receiver, but that gives us the opportunity to take Jair Alexander, put him on Alshon Jeffrey, and say, just take him away. We don't, we don't need to get cute with it. We don't need to double up Alshon Jeffrey. That's nonsense. Take Alexander on Jeffrey. Take him away, and what do they have left? They got Nelson Aguilar, who has been struggling this year, against Tremont Williams, who has been pretty solid. And then what? J.J. Arcega-Whiteside against Kevin King, which is actually a pretty good matchup because Arcega-Whiteside is just a gigantic tight end-looking guy. I mean, Kevin King is the perfect matchup for J.J. I don't know that that's the game plan, but if I'm Mike Pettin, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And I don't see very much hope in, in these wide receivers' ability to beat anybody that I had just laid out there. Alshon Jeffrey is going to get locked down by Jair. Kevin King is going to shut out J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, and Tremont Williams is going to have a field day on, on Nelson Aguilar. Now, the, the, the bigger problem here is, can we get pressure? Right? Jason Kelsey's no joke. I love Kenny Clark. He's a great football player, but Jason Kelsey is arguably the best center in the NFL. Lane Johnson and Jason Peters are very good tackles. Unbeatable? No. But th- this is not this is not an easy matchup, right? This isn't the Vikings' offensive line. This isn't the uh, the Denver Broncos, whose offensive tackle just his his one strategy is just hold everybody. This is this is a very very talented offensive line. Now I mentioned yesterday you've got uh, Sayamalo or whatever his name is, who has just been absolutely horrible at left guard. That's a weak spot, but overall they're really really solid. And in fact, Brandon Brooks, who whoever that is, um, is just playing out of his mind so far this year their right guard so maybe they're going to try to find a way to to pick on uh say malo overload the left side whatever and if they can get to wentz i think they're going to have a, a really good time the problem is if they cannot get to to wentz which we i wouldn't think is a problem the packers are, are one of the better pass rushing teams so far this year and i think the other the other real benefit here is that when you're not super worried about the guys on the outside and you're also not super worried about them being able to run the ball as much as we're not very good at it, it gives Mike Pettin the opportunity to bring blitzes, right? If, I, if I'm not super worried, I can bring Savage. Maybe I'll bring Martinez. Maybe I'll bring Josh Jackson. 
who, by the way, has been playing safety. Right? It, it gives us more opportunities. But what I was saying is if we cannot get to Carson Wentz for whatever reason, we might be in a little bit more trouble. Because the fact of the matter is, as, as great as Jair and, and everybody seems to be playing, the, the quality of your cornerback play is going to drop significantly with every you know tenth of a second that goes by where the quarterback has time in the pocket. I mean, you can just take that PFF grade and drop it by about one point for every tenth of a second that goes by. Eventually, these guys are going to get open. So bringing pressure is one of the biggest reasons that the Packers' defense is as good as it is, and it's going to be one of the biggest things going forward they're going to have to be able to consistently do. Um, we need to see them do it this week because next week it's Dallas, and Dallas is going to be even more difficult to get after the quarterback. It's also going to be more difficult to stop the running back and the wide receivers and play against the defense and, and, our, and pretty much everything. But we'll deal with that next week. But overall, I mean, that, that if, I'm, if, I'm the, uh, if I'm the Eagles, that's sort of my one hope. We need to be able to run the ball, which we should be able to do against the Packers who have not been able to stop the run, which is ridiculous considering the talent we have between, you know, Martinez and Kenny Clark and Preston and Zadarius, even if they're not elite guys. I mean, Preston is a very good run defender. Kenny Clark is one of the best run defending guys. Blake Martinez is good against the run. We've got Amos. I, mean, I don't know how they're able to consistently do this. Again, I, well... I do. They are not tackling. But I, I am going to try to establish that because if the Packers haven't figured out how to stop the run, I'm just going to hammer them because they're not going to expect it, right? Well, they run 30-some percent of the time. They're just going to come out throwing. No, we're going to run the ball. And if you can't stop it, we're just going to keep doing that. But other than that, I'm, I'm going to tell the offensive line, this game is on you. I'm going to need you to block for Carson. And eventually somebody's coming open. Right? I mentioned Nelson Aguilar is getting a ton of passes. They're going to try to get the ball out quick, get the ball to Aguilar, Aguilar, whatever. And just keep moving. So, you know, again, on the outside, we got to lock these guys down. You got to jam them at the line. You got to get them out of their, uh, get them out of their timing offense. And then we got to bring pressure. If they can do that, this offense isn't going to be able to do much. But again, it's kind of one of those fine lines because if they can execute it, then the defense is in trouble, right? If if they can get the ball out quickly to Aguilar and and Zach Ertz, suddenly we don't have a pass rush anymore. So that's going to be something the Packers are going to have to establish really quickly. You're not running the ball, and you're not doing this little dink and dunk nonsense. And if you want to, that's fine. We'll give you the three yards, but that's it. And also be careful because Jair has a, a penchant for even picking off those <laughs> those three-yard slants that are supposed to be automatic. Even a wide receiver screen isn't safe around Jair Alexander. So, you know, maybe keep an eye out for that. But I think if I'm the Packers' defense, I'm going to play my I'm – not, I'm not going to come out and say, well, they're, they're going to try to establish the run, and I can't let them, so I'm going to change what I – no, we're going to play the way we want to play. I think we've earned that right. We are, we are that good of a defense at this point. I'm going to line up how I want to line up. We're going to play nickel defense. We're going to play dime defense. In fact, we're probably going to be in dime almost the whole game because I'm not worried about you running the ball. And if that's going to be your goal is to try to run the ball, fine. But I know you like to throw. I know you like to utilize your quarterback. I know you like to get Ertz and Aguilar involved. So we're coming out with six defensive backs. And we're going to beat you with our talented front and a linebacker that's going to clean up whatever it is that that gets through them. And if you want to take three-yard chunks running the ball and three-yard chunks passing the ball and you think you're going to beat us with that, best of luck to you. But we've got to execute. And I I tend to think Pettin's going to be a little bit slow to adjust that. I think if they come out and dime defense and, and the Eagles are able to run the ball rather than saying, all right, we're, 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 we're running out of this and we're making an adjustment right, right now, nah, I think we're better. I think this matchup is in our favor. We need to settle down. We need to start making some tackles. We need to start making some plays because this is the defense that's going to win. We're going to come out in our dime defense. The guys up front need to win. Blake Martinez needs to win. And, and we're going we're gonna to stop the pass. 
by having, again, six defensive backs on the field. Anyways, that's the plan as I see it for the offense. Uh, let's take one more quick little break, and then we'll flip the field. And I'll give my thoughts about the Packers offense versus the Eagles defense. So th this, to be completely honest, this is very similar to what I talked about when it was the Packers defense on the field. This is a matchup the Packers should be able to win. The Philadelphia Eagles defense is just not very good. Again, they've got Fletcher Cox and they got Brandon Graham, and these guys are very talented players, but that's kind of it. Josh Sweat and Derek Barnett are not good pass rushers. Nigel Bradham and Zach Brown are not good linebackers. Yes, I said Zach Brown is not a good linebacker. I know that's not conventional wisdom. I'm just telling you, he had one good year last year, and he's back to being not good again. They don't have top-end I mean, they don't have really top-end anything. The only thing they have are these two guys up front, and we've been facing two guys up front all year long. This is not as good of a group as, as Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks. This is not Linval Joseph and Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin. If you want to argue this is better than what Denver had, fine. But one of the biggest things for me is I want to see a big improvement from this offensive line. And I, I know it's still a tough crew, but right now if you're looking at PFF, and I know some of you don't want to hear it, but I can back it up with the stats as well, Bakhtiari is really struggling. It's to the point where I'm starting to be a little concerned because although he's going up against a lot of really good players, I think Balaga's actually taken the brunt of this, and he's holding his own. Balaga is the highest-graded offensive lineman on this offensive line right now. Bakhtiari is the third-highest-graded player behind uh, Balaga and Elton Jenkins. Again, really tough job, but this needs to be a, a, a game in which he just dominates because the guys on the outside are just not very good. Now, Brandon Graham does play on the outside occasionally, and, and usually it's going to be on Balaga's side, which is to say Bakhtiari is going up against Barnett all game long, which should be just the easiest. I mean, there should not be a single pressure in this game. If he's having a hard time against Barnett, there's something wrong. I know he had a back issue for a while. Something's not right. But, uh, I mean, Lindsley has a below-average grade. Billy Turner has a below-average grade. Jenkins has an average grade. Bakhtiari has an average grade. I mean, th this is a very good offensive line that is getting pummeled by great defensive lines and, and some of the best pass-rushing teams in the NFL. But this is an opportunity to say, okay, this isn't a problem. These are just tough teams. And, again, they're, they're keeping their guy clean, and, and, you know, obviously they're really not very good run blockers. They never really have been. But if you can keep out Rodgers upright, it's fine. But in, in general, I, I just I just want to know that this is just because they're going up against top-tier talent and there isn't a bigger issue. Right now, I don't. there's no reason to believe it's a bigger issue. Again, last week was kind of confirmation of that, but I just, I'd like to see it again. Because we're, we're not done going up against top-end talent. We still got Brandon Graham this week. We got Demarcus Lawrence next week. I mean, it's just, it just, it's going to be all year. Not to mention we have, you know, Hunter and Khalil Mack all over again. We got Trey Flowers coming up twice. It just, it's not going to stop. Now, anyways, that aside, um, I think if we can keep Rodgers clean, and there's every reason to believe we can, this should be a pretty straightforward game. They don't have corners. They have Sidney Jones, who's decent, but they're going to have to double up Devontae because they don't have anybody that's good enough to take um, Devontae one-on-one. Now, I would like to see Devontae continue to do well because it, it's no defense is going to do basically the same play every time. He's not going to be doubled every single play. The doubling is going to be different. Sometimes you got man and then somebody else there. Sometimes you got kind of just this bracket coverage or whatever in which you can find a zone. There's going to be opportunities for Adams, and anytime he's he's manned up, it's just going to be it should be automatic. And I guarantee you, if they sense that he's in man coverage, Rodgers is just going to throw it that way no matter what. Now, um, outside of that. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who had a pretty good week last week, kind of showed that ability to be that number two. In other words, when we're focusing on Adams, 
you got to worry about Scantling. We need that to continue, especially this week when, again, they don't have good corners. I mean, their corners essentially this week are going to be Sidney Jones, Razul Douglas, and Avanti Maddox. That's not a good group, man. So again, it comes down to this should be good enough. And it's not just that. Without having very good safeties or very good linebackers, we should have opportunities for our tight end. The Packers refuse to give up on Jimmy Graham. Fine. Throw to him. Make him beat the linebackers. Forget this running into the flat nonsense where you get an automatic two yard if he can catch the ball and and run the route properly. No, make him run a seam route down the middle and beat a safety. Beat a linebacker. I mean, give me a break with $10 million if he can't beat a linebacker that's trash. If your job is to be terrible at blocking, not be able to run routes or catch passes, this, this this is beyond frustrating. All you're doing is taking away snaps from somebody else that can play. I'd rather just put in a sixth offensive lineman at this point. I mean, heck, I, I can have him be eligible, and he can run into the flat and catch a pass and get about as many yards as, as you can. Go beat whoever it is they're putting up against you. That's what you're getting paid to do. And, I, you know, maybe I shouldn't be scolding Jimmy Graham. He's not the one calling the plays, but let's go. I mean, if Matt LaFleur is so confident in this guy, let's, let's see the confidence, because I'm not seeing confidence in him. Rodgers is super confident. Oh, yeah, you know, he's a good player, and Jimmy's all confident. Yeah, yeah, guys, you know, they're talking about me. Nobody knows what they're talking about. Yeah, everybody's so confident that he's such a good player. Let's see it! Against this team, Jimmy Graham should have 120 yards and three touchdowns. As much as he's getting paid, if it was Jason Kelsey, that's what he'd have. If this was Gronk and the Patriots back when Gronk was still playing, he'd, he'd have 100 yards and, and multiple touchdowns against this team. Let's go, Jimmy! But we won't. We'll see more bad blocking, two catches for four yards. Mercedes Lewis will have his one catch for five. Tanyan will be underutilized. Whatever. It's fine, I'm not upset about anything. The other thing that really should be able to get going, and again, I understand Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham are good football players, we should be able to run the ball against this team. Fletcher Cox is a a talented pass rusher on the interior. He's not very good against the run. Uh, Hassan Ridgeway, who inexplicably is actually getting more snaps than Akeem Spence, is also terrible against the run. Akeem Spence is actually pretty decent against the run, but Brandon Graham is, is okay, pretty good. Vinnie Curry is okay. Derek Barnett is okay. This is not a, nobody is really a top tier run defender. I mean, Brandon Graham's probably their best, best bet, but I mean, you can run the other way, right? I mean, really, if, it, if it's Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox on the right side of the field, run to the left. So again, it really just comes down to, 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 to just win. The, the game is being given to us on a silver platter. We have better matchups across the field. Our, our wide receivers should be able to beat their corners. Our linebackers and running backs should be able to beat their, their linebackers. Our tight ends and running backs, if that's not what I said. Tight ends and running backs should be able to beat their linebackers. Um, through the air as well as on the ground. Um, our offensive line should be able to stop their pass, blo- pass rush. Our quarterback should be able to beat their everything. Our corners should be able to beat their wide receivers. Our pass rushers should be able to get some kind of pressure against the offensive line. You know, the, the safeties, just across the board. We're, we're just, this is a better team. The Packers are a better team. It's just a matter of, of execution, right? We, we, this can't be the week in which the pass rush t- regresses. This can't be a week in which the offense, which has been slowly progressing, completely falls off again. This can't be a week in which the corners fall off. This can't be a week in which Jair Alexander has a rough week against uh, Alshon Jeffrey because it's that kind of stuff, you know, allowing them to run the ball consistently with Darren Sproles or something just ridiculous. If we can just play up to the standard that we have, yeah, I'm not even talking about progress. I'm just talking about give me the same team that just beat the Broncos, give me the same team that beat the Bears, give me the same team that beat the, the Vikings. That team beats this Eagles team. 
Hopefully we have better offense than we had against the Bears. But even so, I mean, this is not as good as the Bears' defense. Everything about this is in our favor, including being at home. We have an opportunity to be 4-0 and with extra time to go up against Dallas, which is huge. right? Dallas has to play at, at 3 o'clock on, on Sunday on October 6th. The Packers, having, you know, they're already going to have several days of preparation for Dallas, and they're going to be at home watching Dallas on TV that day. An opportunity to be 4-0, and and not only that, again, with extra time to prepare for Dallas, a real opportunity to beat Dallas and be 5-0, and and then we have Detroit at home. Then we have Oakland at home. Just don't regress. That's it. Do not regress. We can beat the Eagles. We have a real shot at beating the Cowboys. That's going to be a real tough game. But if we can beat the Eagles and have that extra time to beat the Cowboys and a real good shot at beating the Lions and the Raiders at home, we're talking about a, a very realistic opportunity to be 7-0. and At Chiefs and at Chargers, tough, especially at Chiefs. I, you know, I'm not going to say it's a guaranteed loss. It certainly is not, especially if we're going in with that momentum of 7-0 and and, and have continually growed, grown on offense and whatnot. But it, it, just, it just feels like a game in which at some point there's going to be regression. At some point the defense is going to struggle. At, at some point, you know, if Zedarius doesn't play or Jair has a game that isn't his best, that, that's the only thing that's going to hurt us here. And again, the opportunities are, are incredible. Those extra couple of days to prepare for Dallas is just absolutely huge. Hug a schedule maker somewhere. Because that's, that's going to be, I mean, this, this next couple of weeks, man, this stretch here, Again, if, as long as there isn't some massive regression anywhere and they continue to progress, if the defense continues to get better and the offense continues to get better, and we beat Philly and Dallas and the Lions and the Raiders, and if we can split between the Chiefs and the Chargers, we're talking about 8-1, and one, beat the struggling Carolina Panthers at home, 9-1, and one, and then we have a bye before we play the 49ers. Even if we lose that, we're 9-2. and two. And we got the Giants, that's 10-2. and two. We got the Redskins, that's 11-2. and two. We got the Bears at home, hopefully that's 12-2. and two. I mean, we're already in the playoffs. Even if we lose to the Vikings, we're, we're what uh, twelve and three. Then we beat the Detroit Lions. We're thirteen and three. I mean, some of these games are just set up for us. There's only so many that are going to be really tough. This is one of the games that is not really tough that we cannot be losing. We can't lose this nonsense. There was a time at which Philadelphia was going to be a really tough game. This is no longer the case. Philadelphia is struggling. They're down on their luck. They're very injured. It's a short week. It's our field. The offense has been progressing. The defense is extremely, I mean, everybody's really healthy. Everybody's clicking. The defense continually gets better. Everything's getting better. Everything's going great. It's another home game. Everything is just laid out for the Packers. They just need to not mess this up. I'm not even going to say that I expect them to just run up. the. I I don't care. At this point, just give me the sloppy win. Give me the sloppy win and stay healthy. I mean, look, if if you want to beat them 35-7, you go right ahead and do it. I'm, I'm just looking at this and saying that, the opportunities to to waltz into the playoffs by just being on point these next couple weeks, staying healthy, playing good football, it's it's really, really prevalent. Again, Lions at home, Raiders at home, those should be two wins. There's no reason we're not at least th- three, and, three and one over these next four weeks. Not predicting a loss for the Cowboys necessarily, I'm just saying if we can go three and one over the next four weeks, that's solid. We're looking at a 7-1 and one team. That would make us no worse. I mean, absolute worst-case scenario for 7-1 and one would be 8-3 and three at the t- by the time we get to the bye, which is a great record. And again, then we have the Giants and the Redskins. That's at least two wins. That makes us a 10-win team. Playing our own division, we're going to win at least one of those games, probably two. So 11-12 to 12 wins. And then, what, a 50-50 game against the 49ers on the road? 
I mean, I, I just feel like we're right there. We're right at that somewhere between 10 and, and 12 and 13-ish wins. But you start losing games to the Eagles, we're talking about 9-ish. We're talking about, you know what I mean? So, anyways, just don't regress. Just just keep doing what you're doing. Don't panic. Don't overthink it. You're better than this team in every facet of the game. Stay healthy. Do your job. Keep Rodgers clean. Get open. Cover your guy. We'll be fine. That's all I can say. That's all I got. Uh, enjoy the game. You folks have yourselves a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.